FlyQuest has a problem. They are the only team to start the Super Week 0-3. Everyone else has a win. Even Dignitas has a win. JoJo, is he back? Saw a lot better performance out of JoJo this week. Way better than Spring. We will discuss if he's back. And Team Liquid, have they evolved? Are they back? Are they different? Uh, lots to discuss about lots of different teams in episode 129 of the Clown of Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jenter, we start with Team Liquid. They are 3-0. and uh, Let's start with the Evolve thing. Are they different? Are they... Do you have faith? Do you not have faith? Etc. I have faith. I mean, as the people know, I had them three in my power rankings. I even thought, despite all of their struggles in spring split, I thought by the end of the split that they were going to end up in the playoffs. They didn't, unfortunately, but they were they were holding an Everstone or something, I guess, because we're seeing a lot less mistakes from the young rookies. You know, yes, they're still technically rookies because this is their first split or first year, but second split, and summits looking fantastic it's everything is looking good for team liquid i i don't have a bad word to say about them as of right now. really really okay so i want to say they're better for sure but i don't know if i want to say they've evolved i'm not sure because a lot of their issues were still pretty similar where like the early game's going fine they're getting leads especially against immortals by the way that was like a 15k lead at 17 minutes that was azale was talking on broadcast like maybe this is a record who knows um but they still like kind of throw when it comes to team fighting or late game. Uh, Jan got picked off the one time of Felios. They all stacked like crazy against TSM and TSM probably should have beat them that game. So like, I don't know if I want to say they've evolved, but I still think every single player is better than they were last split. But like the problems are still kind of similar. That sounds like evolving to me if they're getting better. Just. But the problems are the same. They're just lesser, you know? Oh. It's like... Okay, maybe Charmander became Charmeleon, but they're not Charizard. How about that? Is that a fair? I mean that that's a fair analysis. Okay, there we go. So they they're not they're not to their max evolution. But I mean, from they're Charmeleon. From what I think, just based on coming into the season, I think by the end of it, they will be at max power. So you know, I think they're they're definitely on the right trajectory. I think they're that Charmeleon. You know, the one that like in the show where he like won't listen to Ash. You know that one. Well, that was just. All of Charmeleon's existence. Oh, was it? And pretty well, much. Well, okay. Well, they're perfect. Then they're just Charmeleon. Then that's until, them. Until Aerodactyl pissed them off. Yeah. Um, okay. Let, let's talk more specific players. I think, like I said, I think every single player looked better. But I think the first one that we have to say, because we mentioned it way the hell back in spring, Summit is good. Okay. And I know everyone was saying Summit was running it down in spring. That was true for the first half. The second half, you and I said it many times, he was good. The rest of his team wasn't. And I think that's where we got to start because Summit, player of the week, absolute monster, whether it be Kenan, Jax, whatever. That guy's a beast. If you only, I mean, again, it's not, it's not how this works, but if you look at only the second half of the split, he was the second best top player in the league. And it was like not even close. You know, it was Fudge number one. Summit number two, probably, you know, and then you kind of have your picking because well, yeah. sucked. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they didn't like suck. I don't think any of them are fantastic by any means. You know, someday had a bit of a drop off impact had a little bit of a drop off, especially towards the back half of the season. But coming into the season right now, this split summit is well positioned to be the best top player in the league. I think, you know, yeah, with especially how the meta is sort of changing and especially the way that cloud nine is sort of functioning right now. They're they're really taking some resources out of fudge and putting them elsewhere. Whereas team liquid seemed to be even more funneling those resources towards summit because he's making improvements and he's not having those, you know, empty games that he had 
come quite often towards the start of spring. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And one other thing that I need to shout out with Summit specifically is he was um, the Baron secure guy. Whether it be Kennen, he was ulting it, just zoning, that like just zoning alone. Um, whether it be Jax, he would flash in, he would zone four people. I, I don't remember who that one was against. And then there was a Kennen one where he was over on the other side of the pit, just Kennen ulting, zoning them back again. Like he was the reason they secured so many Barons, which I know you might say, like, Blue Jay, that's kind of what guys are supposed to do. Sure. But TL had a lot of problems when it came to Barons. Like anything that was mid to late game was not easy for TL to pull off. And a lot of this was just them taking Baron and Summit just 1v9ing uh, by zoning everybody off while the team takes the objective. And that's that's quite a good way to close out games. So um, that was, to me, one of the standout things was like Summit is actually just zoning off Baron all by himself and securing these wins that they had a hard time securing last split. I mean, that's like, you know, the mark of a good team. They're going through every single one of those checkboxes when it comes to your normal Baron or Dragon objective setup. You have, you know, the clearing out vision, you have the posturing for position, and you have starting the objective and then getting correct positioning after that. And then once it gets down to the time to secure it, you know, it feels like whenever you see games and the one team is not zoning anybody from the back, like there's nobody in the back of the Baron pit, like throwing over skill shots or there's no you know, support or top laner, jungler, whoever it may be, engaging to push the enemy team off. Like, it very often, like, just lets the enemy jungler jump in for the potential steal, but Team Liquid definitely did a much better job, you know, compared to last split, at least, around objectives this week specifically. Yeah, and, and something else, or another guy that we need to call out in a good way, I guess shout out if it's a good thing, uh, Piosik looked much better. He did not have a good spring. He was very, like, and I know everyone says... The same thing that they say for a world champion you would expect etc and that is totally fair to say that by the way because he is a world champion and you would expect better but i actually think we started to see it finally this this weekend um he is super aggro and i i guess he may have been super aggro last split too but it felt like um constantly invading and then getting caught and i don't know if it was like I can't recall if it was always like these invades are like trolling and he has no business invading or now maybe he's just better at communicating it with Harry or his bot lane or whatever it be. Um, but they're still taking over the map like completely and they're little explorers, honestly. They go exploring in the jungle and maybe sometimes for the worse. I know Harry did get caught the one game where they started throwing. He was on Ari, I think. But yeah, they like Probably. to explore. They like to go in there. You know what they're like, Jinter? They're like, um, here's a Hearthstone reference. They're like the League of Explorers. You remember that? Of course. Yeah. That was like uh, one of the best expansions. Yeah, they're like Sir Finley Mergleton. <laughs> and, um, nice. What's the other guy? The main guy. What's his name? Reno? I should know this. Yes, Reno. We're going to be rich. Yeah. Anyways, they're doing it much better this time around, and they're actually just not getting caught. So that's, mm. that's a big plus. And I mean, the last part of it is Jan and Harry just apart from the one Harry kind of int that he made and the one Jan play that he yeah, kind of just like got out and one. died. But I mean, that's one over a three game span, whereas we would right. see multiple mistakes in a single game from these players. 100%. They seem to have, you know, whether it be through the team or just individually, the way that they set up and play around and play as a team seems to be much improved because it did yeah. feel like one of the reasons their early game was so successful is they would just kind of naturally generate leads because of their good laning and you know, then it came to the mid and late game, objective control, team fighting and whatnot was when the majority of the mistakes were happening. A little bit of that happened in the TSM game. They kind of they had like a mi little miniature throw at the Rift Herald where Pioshik went a bit too early before everyone else. And then Harry tried to follow up and then 
you know, they ended up still building a massive lead until they funneled all into the bot lane when they got like Wombo Combo engaged on. But apart from that, those two plays were really their only mistakes this week for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And then last thing for me is the bot lane was very dominant in spring. I feel like they've kind of carried that over to summer, honestly. Kor and Jan were, we said they were great in lane, and that was mostly the case for most TL players, minus Summit for the first half of last split. A lot of their issues were not laning phase, and that's kind of carried over as well. They're not having trouble early on. They're gaining leads. Mm-hmm. Like the 15k lead. I, I don't care if it's against him. Or I don't care who it's against. 15,000 gold at 17 minutes, guys, is insane. Like G2 never even had those kinds of leads. And those guys were like shitting on everybody continuously. Yeah, I I wonder if T1 had that kind of lead over G2 at MSI in that game. You know that game that was like 17 minutes or whatever, 16 something? Was this recently? Or... Yeah, it was at this MSI that just happened. Can't even remember. You don't remember? Well, I don't, Yeah, they ended when, the top lane with Rift Herald. Yeah, when you said that, that I thought of like... Okay, I don't know why, because like when you said MSI, I just for some reason thought of 2019 MSI. Like I, I don't know why, but well, that was there was a game over Team Liquid, right? Where it was uh well, no, but there was a game, game one of that series. Like G two played like Ezreal Sona and got absolutely destroyed in like less mm. than twenty minutes. The only yeah. other game that I could think of a gold lead like that was SK versus SKT versus IG at twenty nineteen MSI, where I think Jackie Love played Draven and they won the game in seventeen minutes or something. But yeah, I, I would be interested to know what the gold leads are in those games that end pre-20 minutes. This one did not end pre-20 minutes, but, I mean, let's be real. It ended pre-20 minutes, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the dumpster fire that is FlyQuest? Anything else on TL? No, I think that's it. You know, Core JJ, he's he's doing his thing. Okay. FlyQuest. I reached out to a couple of FlyQuest fans that are listeners, one being Andrew, the other one being Buster Boy, that's in our Discord quite often. And just try to get a feel for how FlyQuest fans, you know, how much how panicked they are. Uh, Buster, I believe, said 7 to 8 out of 10 rating. So, like, he's panicking. Uh, Andrew said, was it 5 or 6? He said 5 or 6. All this to say the FlyQuest fan. he said 5. FlyQuest fans, they're feeling the pressure. And I don't even know if I blame them, JNT. What do you think if you were to score 1 to 10 for panic, uh, panic mode? Where do you think FlyQuest... Uh, fans should be at with this one i I don't know it's definitely not like a it's on the lower side for me probably like a three or a four maybe i mean four is probably still too much even a two or a three probably a three if i had to really say i i'm actually pretty concerned i'm up towards a six uh reason being um well i guess there's a few of them but going back to last or last split the meme was oh ayla's the problem we got to replace ayla and we said many times like they're not fixed. Once Ayla's gone, there's other issues on those teams. And a lot of those issues resurfaced. Vikla kind of ran it down. Uh, Spika was inting a couple of times. And the big one to me, the big one is Prince. Um, he was not, he was dying a lot, whether, and while having Flash available, or whether it was Zaya ult available, dying a lot of times where, even the one time it was against, I think it was against TSM, where Hanser Malphite ults him. And you might say, like, Malphite ult is kind of hard to react to. I expect a guy like Prince to be able to react to that. And he had Flash. And the other thing about that play specifically, the one that I'm talking about, is there's no one else in the vicinity that is going to attack him. So, like, I know for sure Prince eyeballs should have been on Malphite. And you should know if this guy has R, because you're the AD carry, you should know when the enemy team has Malphite ulti. And he just wasn't ready for it, and he got insta-popped. 
that's what I'm a little bit worried about is I thought Prince was so good last split. And yes, we can acknowledge that they fell off as the split went on. But that to me seems like it's continuing a little bit because Prince did not look good this weekend. And that's a big problem. He's supposed to be your guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's the main game. If there was any cause for concern, I mean, I guess, well, I mean, there is. But the most cause for concern that I found for FlyQuest was probably the 100 Thieves game. And a lot of that just had to do with their unwillingness to do anything, basically. You know, Spica, in pretty much in all three games this week, has been a non-factor. Um, he, he was, like, picking up kills on Viego, but in terms of the actual impact that he was having on the game, it, there was really none. River was doing a lot more over the course of the entire game in terms of blowing flashes, getting engages, um, you know, Baron Hold set on, up are we whatnot. Are we talking about Golden Guardians or talking about 100 Thieves? Because you said River. Well, I just mentioned River because River was doing much more than Spica in that game. Okay, Split. I apologize. Well, I was getting confused. Because, I mean, if, if you if you take a snapshot of the FlyQuest scoreline and their loss against Golden Guardian, Spica was 7-2-6. and six. And off the top of your head, if you look at that, you'd be, oh, man, Spica had a good game. I, I don't really think he did. I think he was just kind of getting kills. Yeah, um, fair and enough. And especially when you look at the game against TSM, like, that was... I know that Rek'Sai is a very strong champion right now, and... It is picking up a lot of play around the world, but in the Rexai games that we've seen so far on the LCS, it's been pretty horrible. Like, and maybe it's only been two or three, but either way, it, people are just seeming very ineffective on this champion. And I think I I really wonder how much of a solo queue influence this pick is having in the first couple of weeks when it's a lot easier to pick up kills and, and snowball the game and whatnot, whereas in pro play it's a lot slower and Rexai does not have as much utility as she used to have when she was popular in the LCS or in League in general. So the, it, my main cause of concern for FlyQuest is Spica and the fact that he's not really doing a whole lot. And that was kind of the problems that we were having in the back half with FlyQuest. You know, yeah, Vikla is still like, you know, a bit of a problem. But if, I, if I'm being honest, I think Annie is like the biggest bait pick in the world. And Oh my God, you're, you that's, I have that in my notes. I legit they, have that. They have it's the new set for me at this point. Like from what I'm seeing with just the way that it plays out, like it, it just seems turbo useless. Yeah, I man, watched. We're on the same I page. watched in that FlyQuest versus Golden Guardians game. I watched a level 17 Annie throw his entire combo into a level 12 Lulu, and they didn't die. Mm. That that makes no sense. Like the champion is not dealing enough damage to warrant picking it. And yes, it's very good utility, but. The damage is just like non-existent post level eleven. So later and on, it's in not the a, episode, and it's not a good laning champ. So later on in the episode, we're gonna have a little bit of a meta talk, a really short one, mind you. But I want to get back to that anything uh, later on for sure because I do have a little bit more to add. Um, you mentioned earlier, I think you said uh, one of the issues for you was the game against Hundred Thieves. Uh, to me, that was um, well, Hundred Thieves just absolutely stomped them in lane, right? And Doublelift, th that whole game was kind of taken over by Doublelift and Busio. And again, last split, it was, oh, it's okay that Prince isn't playing that well. Ayla's kind of running it down, and Prince was really good before Ayla went in. Well, guess what? Now you got Vulcan. Like, now there is no excuse for you to just be getting stomped in lane like that. And they got stomped. So, like, that's another issue. One of the guys that is supposed to come in and help this team is Vulcan. And don't get me wrong, that could still happen. That could definitely still happen. My, my panic rating is not a 10. I still think that there's a world where that happens. But it's not a good start. It's not a good sample size when you're just getting clapped in lane. Yeah, and I know we haven't we talked about the TSM game briefly, but I'm not going to touch on it too much when it comes to FlyQuest because I think that was just a really clean game by TSM overall. So 
I'm not really putting a ton of blame on the side of FlyQuest. Yes, they are probably expected to win that game. And, you know, if if they play that game another 10 times, you know, FlyQuest still probably wins a decent majority of those. But I think that was, you know, TSM really showing up and doing a really good job, specifically Hanser and Boogie, killing a, killing Prince and Vikla on repeat whenever they didn't There's have Flash. A world, there's a world where we can give TSM credit for that game and also look at FlyQuest and say, you got to win that one, right? And I think that's the world that we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else on FlyQuest? They'll be fine. Don't people need to people need to relax? I don't know, man. I still wholeheartedly believe that they'll be a top three team at the end of the at the end of the year. I mean, I could obviously see a world where that happens. Still, right? I'm not willing to say one week is you know everything's over. But like I said, I'm giving them a six rating on my panic my panic rating. Like lots of things didn't look good, but yes, you are right. It is one week. And uh, hope maybe next week we're talking about a 3-0. That's the other thing, too. And we're going to be saying this a lot, this split, but it's a short split. So, like, if you're having a bad week, it counts as a week and a half, right? Because you're having three games and, you well, the, the season's going to be done in six weeks or five weeks now or whatever it is. Eight teams so, make playoffs in summer, so it truly does not matter. In my books, at least. The, the, because you might start in bottom bracket, though. Yeah, that maybe, matters. but... That matters. Know, fly themselves and the rest of the... You know, league probably believes that they're a top team, so you gotta win the whole thing anyway. So, yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Uh, before we move on, I want to remind everyone to subscribe if you're enjoying the content. Hit the like button, leave a comment. Uh, we read the comments every week, so uh, want to know what you guys think. Feel free to give some feedback. And if you want to catch us live this week, we are not live at seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Western, but usually we're live at four o'clock Eastern. Yeah, uh, yeah, my bad. Excuse me. Seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Western. I was not going to throw you under the bus, J&T. That's I was fine. not. It's okay. I was, it's it's okay. not even your bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, we got things that come up. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Sunday nights, Sunday nights. 7 o'clock East Coast, 4 o'clock West Coast, twitch.tv slash Clown Fiesta Podcast. Okay. Uh, Evil Geniuses, is JoJo back? He's back. He's back. He definitely looked back. Uh, I mean, the Gragas game, right? That's the one you got to point to? He was absolutely smurfing. It was insane. So 1v9. So 1v9. And honestly, <clears throat> I know we like to talk about the stuff on the Rift a lot of the times, and, and for good reason, but I we need to acknowledge, I think it was a post-game interview. I don't remember what interview it was, but I think it was a post-game interview where he was It was saying, the first like, post-game interview after they won their first game. And he basically just said, like, yeah, I learned a lesson that, like, I can't really take it easy. And I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember exactly what he said. But the point is, I think he got the message that it was a bad split for him. Um, he was really hurting his team. And he didn't want to put himself in that situation again. Went over to Korea, grinded hard. We heard lots of that talk about how he hit rank six on ladder. Uh, he says he thinks he could have hit rank one if he stayed longer. And maybe he could have. I don't know. But the point is, um, I think he's learned a very, very valuable lesson. Uh, that complacency can get to anyone, and I don't think he's going to let that happen again. And we're seeing him perform. Yeah, I mean, this week one statement combined with that post where he was like, I, he had ranked six Korea in three weeks. Like, that was definitely a statement to the rest of the league that, you know, no more sleeping on, no more sleeping on JoJo. Now, one thing I will say is that, and this was kind of consistent even when JoJo was at his best, is he is still gankable. Uh, he's always very aggro in lane. I think it was the Golden Guardians game, but don't quote me on that. One of the games was he was pretty darn gankable in the mid lane, and he got he got ganked twice, I want to say. 
God, too many games. I mean, mid, my head. The, the Golden Guardians game was like the whole game revolved around mid, so it could have been that but one. My, my point in talking about um, him being gankable is to say that like this was normal when JoJo was at his best. And so, like, you're going to get that with a guy that plays super aggro. So you might see him dying a couple of times in lane sometimes, sure. But generally, he's going to get a huge CS lead um, in the LCS, that is. Maybe not internationally, but in the LCS, he's going to get leads. He's going to invade your jungle. He's going to help out his own jungler, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where I think we are totally seeing the, the old JoJo coming back again is post-laning phase. He is finding picks, and he is not getting picked off. That is the big change. He was free kills the whole game in spring split every it's, single yeah. game from minute one to minute 30 or whatever go gank jojo he'll die and i think that's different it felt like last split every single time he was isolated in a sideline he was just going to end up dead somehow but you know i can't i think maybe one time this week he got caught in a sideline and that was where he was like pressuring the opposite side of the map when he's playing jace or something but you know I, I think yeah especially that game against nrg was like holy 1v9 Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one other thing too that like I, I didn't think EG altogether as a team looked all that great I, that, that doesn't mean they look bad they kind of looked mm, I want to say like kind of where we expect them maybe a little bit better I think I power ranked them like 7 they're kind of looking like a middle of the pack team because I still don't think they're looking great everywhere there was um, the, the one game against Golden Guardians to me they still fell behind but I guess where you could say what it was a little bit impressive was they won just off of a Baron call. They It was a good macro read. And so whoever made that call, like that's something that can win you games and clearly did in that particular game. So not only can they just like outplay you with JoJo, they can out macro you from time to time, apparently, uh, in, in the small sample size that we do have. So that's something that uh, we should look for out of EG as well. One other guy that I do want to give some credit to for his week one performance, because I thought it was actually pretty good, you know, in across all three games was Revenge. I thought, he considering was put he got put on an island the whole weekend or I mm-hmm. say weekend but the whole week and he just did a really good job of you know one keeping his lane in a state where he wasn't really able to get dove he was able to push out his lanes correctly to be able to roam using the silent alt specifically he had like I think one or two drift plays where kind of you know pushed out the wave exited and then he came down to a team fight so I, I thought he I thought he had a pretty good week and I am kind of on the same page as you as I don't necessarily think that EG played so well as a team. I just think that individually all the players just played really well and it just kind of ended up that they won the game. You know, it, it's definitely going to be a situation that we'll have to see develop over time, especially when they go up against, you know, the likes of Cloud9, you know, Team Liquid, FlyQuest potentially, 100 Thieves maybe even. So I, I still think EG, they're not necessarily... I'm not, I don't want to quickly put them above, you know, put them in the four or five, you know, area. I, I still think they are around that six, seven, but it, but it will be interesting to see what the team looks like when they see some adversity. You know, I just realized, so you, you might not have seen this because I know you had to catch up on all the games late this week, but there was a, a uh, did you see the chat segment by any chance? I didn't see anything that I didn't see anything I didn't the broadcast. Yeah, I didn't expect you to because I knew you had to watch the games late. But Jat did a segment before the first game that is like about EG and he did this funny little uh, scuffed slideshow. And the point of his slideshow was EG is not as bad as you think. Mm. And I feel like that's what they kind of embodied this week. Uh, Two and one looks, I guess, better than I would say they played. 
but I, I do agree with Jet that like they're not as bad as you think. That's that's where we'll classify them for now. I think Jet's right on there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that game against Dignitas, I, I think that that was like Dignitas's game to lose, basically. Like they, the only reason that Dignitas was even in that early game or was even behind in the early game was because how abysmal Santorin was playing in the early game around mid lane. Like it was mm-hmm. just like disgustingly bad. I mean, we'll, we'll get to dig later, but I got very uh, few good things to say about that team. Yeah. Um, did you want to sound off on the revenge stuff? Earlier yeah, I mean, this week you told me you wanted to talk about revenge. I think I should give you the floor for that. Well, I, I did just give him some praises because I thought he actually played pretty well in week one. But I thought it was funny going on Reddit and Twitter and looking at a lot of like the post match threads and people talking about revenge because um, I think I, I think I said on the podcast after the s- spring regular season ended, revenge gave like a pretty emotional interview where he was talking about, you know, his desire to improve and be a good player and whatnot. And, it, you know, kind of earned some points for me because I think I've been kind of a revenge hater ever since he joined the LCS, just because I don't think he's been as good as everybody says he claims to be. And, you know, we are hearing a lot more stories about how he seems to be actually a really good player behind the scenes. It just really hasn't been able to translate to the LCS stage. And we don't know how much of a problem Immortals was factoring into that situation, considering that Immortals hasn't been a good team in, I guess, since season six, basically. So Almost ever, yeah. And I just never really could ever get behind the notion that Revenged was a good player in the LCS, because in my opinion, he just simply wasn't. In every single split that he played in the LCS, he was bottom three in his role, and I don't think that's like, I think it'd be incorrect to say that he wasn't. So I 100% agree. So while and I'm glad for him to... that he's playing well, you know, I just think that people got to really get their heads out of their asses a bit and stop saying that this guy was so good all along. He's unlocked on EG. It's like, no, well, hopefully he's now improving because he's in a better environment and it looks like he is. Yeah, I, I, I I'm so I agree 100%. And that's why I wanted to give you the floor on this. The, the, just to be clear, I will not let people turn me into a revenge hater. Here's here's why. So back when like Hooney signed that $2.3 million deal, I became a Hooney hater because everyone continued to talk about how good Hooney was. And I was like, he's not that good. He used to be, but he's not that good anymore. And then I became this hater of Hooney. And after a while, I was like, why do I hate Hooney? Like, I love Hooney. That guy is such a good personality. And I won't let them be, do the same, make me turn into the same thing with revenge because i do love the player but i think it's important like you're saying to be accurate with how he was he was not good when he was on immortals he was quite bad including last split including including splits prior he was not good let's just face the music but i will be absolutely cheering for him to become good i just cannot i'm with you whereas like i don't know where this is coming from that everyone was like oh revenge has been good this whole time i feel like that's just a lot of people wanting to cheer on revenge which is i'm right there with you let's not change the facts though hmm. and and i think i think another part of it is that when all of these stories do come out behind the scenes where people say that this guy's is actually a really good player in scrims and he's super hard working and whatnot and then sort of the public grabs on to that notion and then sort of runs with it. And then obviously it just kind of blends into calling like, you know, scrims and practice as just LCS. And I just want to make the clear distinction that he can be a really good player in scrims and be a good player in terms of how he, invi- how he operates within the team and, you know, improvement and whatnot with regards to individually and his part in the team. But the time that he spent on the stage in the LCS was below average. I can't, I don't think, I'd have to re- truly go back and like cu- like briefly remind myself of all the splits, but I cannot say that he was a outside of the bottom three in top lane, er, any split. Like, not, it a, is not a single easy. one. 
it is easy to be a fan of his though because even though he's always been struggling and been on very bad teams as well he still always continues to try to make content he, content he does like his twitter vlogs like imagine being on like well, i mean those... so many lost streaks like losing and losing and losing like who wants to make content at that point but revenge always continued to do that and then you hear about how much of a hard worker he is like it's very easy to be a fan of his and i think yeah, that's those, where those the things is what won me over yeah, I think that's where the sentiment comes from, where people just want to believe he's good or he's been good, where he just hasn't been. That's where I think it comes from, personally. Yeah, Feel at, free to let us know if we're wrong in the in the comments section. I mean, no, he, no problem there. he changed my opinion, you know, after that interview that he gave at the end of Spring Split when, you know, like I said, he got quite emotional and was just kind of doing a bit of venting about how, you know, all the work that he puts in and the re results just really don't show and him being disappointed about the fact that he knows he's so much better than this. And I hope and wish that we continue to see these types of performances from revenge throughout the rest of the split, because if that's the case, that's what, that's what EG is going to need to push them into that sort of top five. Yeah. Okay. Let's hop over to cloud nine. Three Oh. Uh, I honestly wouldn't even say that they're looking that good. They looked a little bit for fun out there. Would you agree or disagree? J and T? I would say, I mean, I don't know. It feels like I think even the casters mentioned it during was it the second game against Dignitas where we're kind of just used to Cloud9 stomping the early game and they just really weren't taking that approach with the first three games that they played here. It was pretty apparent that they were just strictly drafting for scaling with a double marksman comp. They ran Kindred every single game, right? They played Kindred every game. Uh, did he? No, he played one. He played Kazakhs. I mean, yeah. Similar-ish in terms of having the jungle be a carry, but, you know, two carry-centric games, and when you're playing double carry like that, you're often playing for the late game, and, you know, they did have some sort of limit testing, specifically against that uh, in the, the TSM game, but uh, maybe they're not as good as, like, peak Cloud9, but can you expect somebody to be playing at their peak, you know, after they'd just been to MSI a bunch and on week one of the summer split, you know, I I'm... I think that's why they'll get a pass from the community, and rightfully so, because we like this is a known thing now. The MSI hangover, we get it, so that's fine. I think they'll get a pass for that reason. The thing is, even though they didn't look their best, they were still better than everyone they played anyway. Yeah, I mean, once the once the game passed fifteen minutes, it was not close. Like, I feel like, and stop me if I'm wrong here. I think they're a little bit too fight happy, which is kind of Cloud 9s mo, to be honest. That, that that's but, them like, all the time, but. But, like, they're taking 4v5s, and that's why they're, like, kind of for funning, and they're losing some early game fights where it's, like, if they just didn't take some 4v5s, they'll probably win these fights more often. Yeah, they took... Some of them, they might even won some of them. They took two, three versus four Herald fights this weekend and won both of them, or went even in both of them. And I'm going to throw out the world's coldest take, because I know everyone knows this, but I'm just going to remind people. If they do this at international tournaments... They get stomped. And I know we all know that. But that's why I'm not like, oh, everything's good with Cloud9. 3-0. Nothing wrong here. This team is more than likely going to represent us internationally, as they always do. And if they play like this, we're going to see some bad results again. And yeah, I'm not I even mean... expecting to ever see good results. I think North American fans have pretty much given up on that. But we have to acknowledge, like, they can be better than this. Your point is correct, but I don't think we need to be worrying about that as of right now. If this Honestly, was week maybe five, even... maybe, yeah. If it was week five and they played like this, yeah, that's not the greatest, but... I guess I would even say there's no reason to be worried about that, not just right now, but ever, because, like, what does it change? Like, 
I know this is so NA fan and I my hope is just at an all-time low, but like whatever, man. <laughs> like honestly, maybe good for them for having some for for fun attitude and just going out there and fucking around. Yeah, I mean the the only other thing that I have to say about C9 is um I feel like you have to ban uh Kindred against them. Blabber is just mm -hmm. too comfortable on the champion. It it feels like one of those picks where you need to throw a ban in it no matter what. Because, as we saw, Cloud9 will pick it whenever possible. Yeah, so they are clearly putting their eggs in the blabber basket, which we've seen before. And so let's just throw the, uh, the fill-in-the-blank out there. Cloud9 putting all the resources into blabber is blank, JNT. It's risky. Because mm. he's a bit prone to ending sometimes. And he had, what was, he had one play against... I don't remember if it was against Digger or against TSM where they were diving like in between tier two and tier three tower when they hadn't even killed the tier two tower. So they were going a bit wild. I think him and MNS gave like double shutdown over. Um, I, I want to say maybe it was in the dig game. They did that. No, it couldn't have been in the dig game because he's playing Kindred. It had to have been in the TSM game then. But so you're right. It is risky. My fill in the blank is a recipe for success. I think them putting all the resources into Blabber is risky, as you say. But that's how they've done it for a long time. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest reasons why they have success. Now, we see Blabber run it down. Don't get me wrong. But I think going forward, that's going to be really important. And, I mean, God knows Zeri nerfs are supposed to be coming. God knows if that's ever going to actually happen enough. 13, to... well, I mean, yeah, we will discuss the meta. But I think they're playing on patch 13.12 next week. or So the nerfs should be incoming. All I'm going to say is that we've heard Zeri nerfs before, and this champion's been meta for like a year and a half now. So, like, she's to me, she's never dead until she's dead. Like, I need to know she's dead before I'm going to say that champion's dead. Um, and so my point in saying that is, like, they have a lot of success with putting all their eggs in the, in the um, Berserker basket when he gets Zeri. But if you can't do that, Blabber's a really good alternative. They've done it many times. So well, and a Berserker like can carry on a number of champions, so... Fair enough. He, he even caught a Draven ban in one of those games. Yeah. Cloud9 does have uh, a couple of weapons at their disposal. And just to... Resources just, into Blabber is one of them. Just to put a little bit of your Zeri woes in perspective. Over... Since the patch change, her win rate dropped 5%. Went from 51.5% to 46.5%. But dude, like, Akali's sitting I, at 46% I know, I know. win rate forever, and Akali still gets played. Same with Azir. What else? Other chance? Rise? Like, yeah, but I mean, those aren't sit at low win rate, and then so I, know, I, I would argue that those three champs you just named are not like Zeri. Those are like mechanically intensive champions that you need to know your limits fully on. To fair enough, they are not like Zeri. Zeri is just some... uh, okay. Okay, I was even gonna bring up this later, but you want to look at a problem. You don't want to Zeri lose a problem. Go to that hundred thieves versus NRG game where they're like three manning the Zeri Lulu, the Zeri Yumi without their tower, and they somehow get a kill. They have, like, three champions permanently standing on top of them, and Zeri somehow kills one of them and doesn't die for, like, ten seconds. Yeah. I hate that shit. Uh, I, I agree. Nothing for me to add on to that. Um, anything else on Cloud9? Um, oh, last thing I had, just an interesting note here, because I mentioned at the beginning of the Cloud9 section, talk of, talking about how they're not really going as early game focused, it seems, at least in this first week. And I don't know what has to do with that with the meta or if they just really like the the double carry comps with Blabber on a carry in the jungle. But C9 has the lowest game duration with only the fourth highest gold diff at 15. 
So hmm. I thought that was a little I'm interesting. Not, so they just seem to I'm, once they get that lead, it the, the game just ends. I'm not surprised at all by the gold at 15 thing. Like you would think the team that's three and zero would be number one in that. Not even surprised that they're number four there. They were losing to TSM. And maybe TSM's not as bad as we think they are, but, like, I don't think they're very good. I don't think Cloud9 should be losing to TSM. Because of those Herald fights, like you mentioned. Yeah, they they did a bit of trolling at two of those Herald fights. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk Immortals. Immortals, man. My shit right here. Unfortunately, no insanity, though, but... How much better is Immortals? Let's compare them to Last Split, because they changed a lot of the roster. I'll start by saying... I think every single one of their changes was an upgrade. We agree with that? Yes. Um, I guess Balulu was the same, though. But you know, I he, guess he we'll, only we'll played like, it, he played, he didn't play that many games. We'll consider it an, uh, an upgrade over all of the thing is we already knew that kind of from last split, even if it was just four games. Um, where should we start with this team? Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with tactical. I even think tactical is an upgrade over tactical. Yeah, dude, that dude, tactical that NRG game, the comeback, where I mean, a lot of that was NRG just like throwing repeatedly. Like there was mm-hmm. like two, I think on two of those fights where tactical like made some pretty smurf plays by like flashing important shit or flashing in aggressively and like getting the kills, not dying for it and whatnot. So I agree. Treats, we'll, we'll treats to, has treats has tamed him potentially. We'll get to YC CLG slash NRG through that game uh, a little bit later, but. I agree with you that a big part of, of Immortals winning that game is tactical actually making some clutch plays. I agree with that. Uh, it's hard to defend this team as a 2-1 record when they were down 15,000 gold at 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, I felt yeah, it's hard because when you look at the first two games compared to that game against Team Liquid, like that that game against Team Liquid is very reminiscent of the the old Immortals where they're just getting smacked everywhere. Yeah, and then we sit here and we're like, they've improved. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, I don't know. They also were down 10k to to NRG. Um, there was there was like a couple things that were slightly unlucky in that game where Blulu, like on two separate occasions, it was like 50 damage off getting a kill, and you know, kills on Velkaz are insane because if you can, I know if you can if Velkaz gets to his first if Velkaz gets the first item before the other mid laner, it the game just becomes insanely difficult. He basically. He's like he's a Zareth type champion where if that champion gets ahead, it, it can become so oppressive. And on two separate occasions, he was like 50 health away from killing a guy that would have like massively put him ahead in the game and unfortunately didn't happen. And then Pioshik just ran the fucking show on them. Yeah, Velkaz is like a snowball-y kind of mage. I get what yeah. you're saying there. And and we saw last split what can happen when Balulu gets that pick. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed with that one, not even just because, not even specifically on him, but because I was like, oh, sweet. We're oh, you're disappointed with again. the results, not the pick. Yeah. I was yeah, about to say, and- like, dude, keep picking that shit. Like, dude, that, they yeah, were, I agree. They're 100, they're 100 damage off this game being completely different. I, I want to see more of it. I completely agree. We need to see more of it. It's just the hype was, oh, shit, Balulu's back on Velkaz, and then they got stomped harder than any game maybe we've seen in this whole year. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Solo's an upgrade. Yeah, he's the first 30-year-old ever to do <laughs> a number of things, man. That was funny. I feel, like, I feel like there was a lot of people that were getting annoyed with that. I thought it was funny. I, I, thought, thought, it was I, I thought it was funny. Yeah, me too. They, they, I was having fun with that as well. Okay. 
if we talk about how much better this team is, uh, even though the fact that they fell down 10k to NRG and then lost by 15k at 17 minutes against TL, let's talk about how many wins they're going to get. Because last split we did an over under of two and a half, if I remember right, and they it was reached two and a half. Yeah. Four. They reached four. We're in agreement that it should be higher than two and a half this time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the over under at six and a half. Do you take the over or under? Wow. I mean, it's tough because I, I think I, I think I'd have to say under because if I had to get like, I think they'll be around six wins. Seven is like pushing it a little bit. I'm but, giving them six wins. That uh, if I had to pick a number, I'm giving them six. Yeah, so I'm saying I'm saying under. I mean, one of the reasons why I think they easily could also hit the over is I think the middle of the pack in terms of the LCS is very vulnerable. You know, if I I mean obviously it's only the first week, but you know with FlyQuest being 03 and 100 Thieves getting off to a bit of a slow start because of Quid's visa situation, I think there is going to be plenty of opportunity for Immortals to pick up these wins. And something that I always reference on this podcast all the time when it comes to the lower tier teams, the first two weeks, the first two to three weeks are so important in terms of picking up games where these teams are vulnerable. And that's exactly, Immortals did their job. They did exactly what they were supposed to do in terms of that. They picked up two wins when in all likelihood, this team easily could have had, you know, no wins in in a different world where energy actually wins that game. And, Indignitas just isn't a hot like pile of dog shit, but uh, man, I agree with you. I agree with you that this week, like this, is a good time to get some to steal some games, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they managed to do that. But if I, um, I if I had to bet, I'd say six, but I, I think it easily could be seven or or even even more than that, to be honest. And and it's funny because uh, they got four wins last split. So by saying like they'll get six. It doesn't sound like they made a huge improvement, but I need to remind people, this team was worse than the four wins that they got last week. Oh, yeah, they got, I think this they team got was like so two bad. wins like thrown to them, basically. I, I think people don't understand what a miracle it was that that roster got four wins last split. Call me a hater, sure, whatever. This team freaking sucked last split. Well, I think it's and important to note everywhere. that two of them were against Dignitas, and Dignitas was like even worse than Immortals. They threw so. both of them. Dignitas should have won both of those games. They threw them both. Yeah. Uh, yeah but hey a win's a win yeah. and now we've so now we've got them win so i think it's a significant upgrade even though it's only two more wins and that's where i'm leaving them there yeah. uh let's talk about what 100 thieves next yep 100 thieves uh we got uh five teams tied at one and two right now 100 thieves being one of them um Obviously, this team is going to look much different next week because Quid will be playing. Um, he arrived in NA the day of LCS, and they wanted to sort of give him time to acclimate and whatnot and didn't want to throw him in there right away because he was jet-lagged and, you know, probably a couple of other things. But Nukejuk came in, the assistant coach. He's the assistant coach now, right? Because Kane is the, the main coach. I believe so, but yeah. don't quote me on that. He assistant the- coach Nukejuk came in. It was pretty fun, dude. The memes that Doublelift was posting, like, after the week, just as, like, a joke, like, the days clip where he's like, how am I supposed to win with a coach? Like, oh, yeah, my God. I saw that. Dude, I, I, dude, that clip was so funny back in the day. Like, it was... To me, to me, that tells me the team's still in good spirits. Maybe I'm coping. I don't know. But to me, that was like, okay, they had a, a rough week, but, like, they're still just chuckling about it. It's whatever. It's out of our control, so they're just having a good time with it. Or at least that's the vibes I get. I, um... Who did I want to start with? I, I, what did I want to say about 100? I have a hot take for you right now. Okay, feed me. I think that the team would have performed better 
if they had Jenkins playing mid lane than they did with Nuke Duck. I don't. I actually agree. Like that might. Okay. St I still agree that it's a hot take, but I actually agree. Do you want to go more into that or? It, it's not like a super in depth or anything, but I mean, Nuke Duck was clearly not very comfortable in terms of his gameplay, and you know, you you could maybe with a. Like with like a simple eye test, you maybe wonder why like why are you saying that? But I think when you take a bit of a closer lens at like what he was actually doing in a lot of these games was was kind of nothing. You know, it was pretty obvious to me that he didn't really know his limits on a lot of his champions. He very often was positioned super far back, both in lane phase and during kind of team fights. And I don't blame him for that by any means, because this guy hasn't been playing professionally for a little while now. Probably isn't super, you know. Uh, his mechanics probably aren't you know up to par at the moment so i'm not blaming him or 100 thieves for poor performance by any means but i just think that jenkins a player who is still ingrained in the scene who was playing academy last year and has just you know he has the still practicing and playing the game as any normal lcs player would be so you know i just think for for the one week you know field trip i, I would put jenkins in you know in hindsight the, the thing is, so I said I agree, but maybe I don't because the more I think about it, it's not even anything against Jenkins, but like you want someone that's going to be able to play mid lane. I don't know if Jenkins has any experience playing mid lane. I just think that there's like probably a lot of like things creatively that you could do to allow it. You know, you know, part of it is just Cassante mid lane, like first pick Cassante. The reason why I said I agree off the top of my head was because of the things that you said. Like, I think it's good to get a player who's been playing and nuke duck even said in his one interview like he wasn't even he doesn't like na solo queue so he wasn't playing like that's not a good sign um but I, I do wonder what it would look like if they would have had jenkins go mid or maybe they could have sent someday mid we talked about that what's funny is last week we talked about because they signed jenkins we thought oh they're gonna play jenkins either top and send someday mid or they're gonna send jenkins mid and we laughed like oh it's funny that they're signing a top laner haha -ha. but like why didn't they sign a mid laner if they were just going to put in a coach that hasn't played the game and says he's not playing solo queue? Like, yeah, if like... teams, when the, the walkout happened, Riot lifted the restrictions that you could just sign anyone, right? So, like, there has to be one mid laner available. I'm not saying they should have signed a bronze mid laner. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying there has to be a mid laner in North America that was worthy of being put in that spot since you were allowed to sign anyone, apparently. So that was a little bit weird. The, the one thing that I was forgetting to say off the top of the um, the segment, if you will, is that this weekend started with such a different feel than the way it ended. Like, remember, game one, 100 Thieves almost perfect gamed FlyQuest, which, by the way, we saw almost uh, we saw a perfect game. And then we saw like a few near perfect games over the weekend. Or it was the, week, the I guess. EG had the almost perfect, perfect game because, you know, I think who was it against the. Uh... NRG, EG versus NRG. NRG got one bot tower plate. Yeah. That was the only thing they got the whole game. Yeah, which is, is pretty wild. But the other thing, too, is when you beat FlyQuest, we all thought FlyQuest was good. I mean, and they might still be, but like we thought coming in this week they would be good, and they weren't, right? And you see Doublelift and Busio stomping on the FlyQuest bot lane that's supposed to be one of the better bot lanes in the league. And so we're like, okay, 100 Thieves, like maybe we shouldn't have doubted these guys. And well, that that changed pretty damn quickly, didn't it? Because after that, they lost to who did they lose to? Uh, they lost to TL and SM. No, Energy, Energy. They lost to Energy. I guess not the worst opponents, but the point is, after they beat FlyQuest, you think they're going to beat those other two teams, or maybe? Well, 
Especially I mean, when they beat them so convincingly. If anything, the fact that they played FlyQuest, Team Liquid, and NRG, and in my books, those are three of my top six teams in the LCS. The fact that they played those teams with a substitute mid laner and won at least one of them, that's completely fine for me. The next, they're probably going to like, they're going to have some layups in the back half of this next round robin. And if that gives, you know, a better time for Quid, then it's going to be great. That's a good point. Because, yeah, we did have them going 0-3 in our predictions going into the week. So I, I guess you're actually right about that. I think I think I agree. Like, hey, you take the win when you don't even have a mid laner that's playing mid anymore. Yeah. Which also, we joked about it when Bjergsen retired. Whatever episode that was, like a month ago, two months ago, or whatever. We were like, haha, maybe they'll put in Nuke Duck. Yeah, I wish. And they actually did. <laughs> and then, we, and was... then we forgot about him when it came to finding a sub mid for this week. Yeah, yeah. And then last week we forgot all about it. We we're like, wow, they signed Jenkins. Jenkins is going mid. Oh yeah, that's okay. Well, let, let's move on. That was embarrassing. Golden Guardians, J and T. Uh, I, I guess we should maybe try to talk about the MSI hangover with them. Are they still hungover? I mean, it wasn't the greatest week. From Golden Guardians, it know, wasn't terrible either, but it wasn't it wasn't like like it good. It wasn't MSI representative good, you know. Yeah, it, it wasn't bad by any means. You know, they were in every single game for the most part. Um, you know, the game against EG probably should have won that game. I mean, hard their to tell. I think looks pretty hungover. I Actually, think... no, their bot lane looks drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, they're not even hungover, dude. Remember how we memed Sticks A in lane? Like they're the bot lane, it's not just sticks, eh? We just meme it because that was the sneaky and lane meme. Their bot lane's dying a lot. Yeah, I mean, I at, t at the beginning of that uh game versus EG, if, if River doesn't grief the first gank, I think that actually would have just snowballed the game for them because like getting an early kill on Lucianami and like getting that lane unlocked is so important. And I think if River didn't grief that one gank, they would have won the game. I, I mm. firmly believe that. I don't remember the gank, but I'll it was it was it was where River did three camps and went bot and just ran at Ayla and went for flash auto and then he threw his hook before Ayla flashed. Like Azale said it. Like I was as I was watching the gank happening when I was watching the game, I was like, "Okay, River, just walk up, flash auto, wait for the Lulu to flash, and then you cue him." And then he just didn't. He flash autoed him and then hooked him, and Ayla just flashed the hook, and Azale at the same time is like. River is trolling, man. What is he doing? Like, that is that is so like that is some fundamental league right there. I wish I remember the play, but I don't. You you, um, you can go back and watch it, and you'll be like, yeah, that was troll as fuck. I will say though that even in the game that they lost to EG, they still had a decent early game. Like things were going. They they had a lead. I want to say like one point five k. Apart from, apart from that bad River gank where he messed it up, they had a good early game in that game. Well, and. Honestly, kind of want to give credit to EG for saying, hey, guys, these guys are going to go drag. Let's sneak Baron. That's where EG started to win that game was off of a Baron sneak or rush, I guess. It wasn't a sneak. It was more of a rush, a Baron rush. And while I will say Golden Guardians needs to be ready for that, like there is some blame to be thrown at Golden Guardians. Like you also got to just give credit to EG for making a smart call. And uh, yeah, Golden Guardians still had a lead in that game. And I think in most cases they win that game. So one and two i think so as well they should they should have won that game against eg but i don't yeah, think they did anything isn't... like egregiously bad to where it's like oh shit that's horrible yeah the only thing that i would say was egregiously bad was just dying a million times bot lane i don't know how many <laughs> times they died bot this weekend or I can... i'm gonna keep saying weekend as well but Let's this see. week but a lot four deaths combined in the c9 game and wait they didn't actually die that much i mean 
the one game they had five deaths by eight minutes. Who he was dead three times, and Six A was dead two by eight minutes into the game. I just don't remember who it was against. I mean, that was probably the game against FlyQuest. Like that game, Prince of Olgrim were actually playing well. Regardless, I don't think even if the other team's playing well in the bot lane, you shouldn't die that many times by eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, maybe they That's were just getting MSI. Maybe they were just getting some MSI flashbacks against BLG or something. Yeah, like the trauma that... just started kicking in, and they couldn't help it. But the rest of the team looks okay, so I wouldn't say. I guess in finale, rest of the team not hungover, bot lane also not hungover. They're just drunk. We'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> I have, d despite the one and two, I I still think that Golden Guardians is still going to be a pretty good team. I don't have them rated as highly as the majority of you know people around the league do, but I still think they're going to be a strong team, a relevant team that can challenge. The, the one thing I want to talk about before we move on from Golden Guardians is the Yone pick. And honestly, just putting Licorice on even Rumble, like clearly they've changed the way they want to play with Licorice. And we've kind of seen that for a while now. It's just nice to see that continue into summer. Yeah. The, the, the weird thing. So first He's of all, that to, me was the, that to me was the funnest game of the weekend to watch. I thought that was like, when do we see a split push comp? Like, don't get me wrong. You don't want split push to be meta. That gets boring quick. But... Ever since drags have been like so valuable, like Dragon Soul, like you don't see that much split push nowadays. But they actually did it pretty honestly. I wouldn't even say they did it that well. But the thing is, it was still super fun to watch, anyways. That the the way that they struggled was if you're split pushing, you don't want to get caught in a fight. The other team's going to try to engage a fight on you, so they don't have to answer the split push. They kept letting FlyQuest get the fight, but I don't know. They still managed to win anyways. Like it was actually a really sloppy game. Yeah, it they, they was, for the most part, they played the split push out really well. There was a couple of times where they did make those mistakes where Licorice did overextend once or twice, and then they did sort of get it. They stepped a bit too far forwards in the 4v5, but for the most part, I thought that the last game that they played, which you know was the Licorice split push Yone game, was still played pretty well from a macro standpoint. Like, it was... That was that, that was the indication that, like, this this team still knows what they're doing. Like, let's let's not get out of hand here. Yeah, the, the reason why I still don't give them, like, too much flack for it is because, like, again, it's not something that you play often. He mentioned how he doesn't, he didn't even play that many uh, Yone games and how, I I don't know if it was River or Gory. Maybe it was Gory said, like, yeah, just build Hullbreaker. Hull it's good. Really? <laughs> so he's like, okay. Yeah, the post-game interview for that was pretty funny. Um, so that was like, dude, these guys just do stuff. And, like, I love that. So, like, I'm becoming more and more of a Golden Guardians fan as time goes on. I think they're just super fun to watch. And, and the other thing I'll say too is like, I kind of want to see them try it again because split push comps are not easy to play. I feel like they could still play it so much better than they did and they still came out on, on top with a win. Yeah. I, but I but the last thing on that though is that they ended up winning by team fighting though. So I don't even know. Like that was like a, that was another one where they had, instead of having licorice split push, they were just like, guys why are we trying to split so much? We can just freaking kill them. And then Licorice just flanked them and he got, uh, he, he killed Prince. Prince still had, was it Zaya? I think it was Zaya ulti. He had a CD that he could have gotten out of it. Again, there's another area where I was like, Prince, I One, think you yeah. should be able to not die there. Prince should have taken Prince cleanse that game, 100%. Was River on Sejuani? Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's more whenever, of a whenever, whenever, to take cleanse. They, they, like, the only CC they had was like Sedge and Lulu, but like, you still got to take cleanse. Like you don't want to have to burn your alt to like dodge, you know, Yone alt or, you know, even Sejuani alt for the most part. Like you really want to use that as a, like a super defensive tool when you're getting fully engaged on. So 
it's funny that you say that because when I was rewatching that game, I was thinking, I wonder if Golden Guardians decided to screw the the split push and just fight because he didn't have cleanse because Sejuani can get on him um, yeah. without him just cleansing out of it. That's what I was wondering. Mm. So, I, anyways, I think you're right. I agree. Let's talk about what, what team is next. I don't even know. Where Energy the the fifteen k the fifteen k griefers. That Let's was start that with was the massive throw. A disgustingly bad throw. Okay. Like, the Nexus the was open? Was the Nexus you're... open? It was open Nexus, right? Three and Hibs were open. But I'm pretty sure it was Three also and Hibs open were Nexus. Even down. Uh, you might be right about that. I'm not they sure. Yeah, I think they triple and hit them twice. I think they had um I think they had a 10k lead and three inhibitors were killed at one point. Now I don't know how long it was until the inhibitors were spawning once they got the third oh, yeah. one down. Shouldn't but say they 15K. had three inhibitors. Yeah. They had three inhibitors. They killed three inhibitors, and they had a 10k gold lead, and they lost. Now they had Zeri Yumi. My, yeah, that too. My question for you, J and T, is if you're the prosecution, who are you calling to the stand? Who is on trial for this this massive throw? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, Palafox maybe, but like also FBI. But like Palafox, I, I don't understand when like he was so like so weak. Like, he, he was so weak to the point where he, like, wasn't really useful at all. But at that point, like, you just need to be a meat shield for your AD. But this guy was continuing to go for, like, these random flakes that were continuously getting spotted out and getting himself killed. And just was all, was just kind of putting, it was, it just made it so that NRG was starting to lose all momentum in the game. Like, the, they kind of, they had that first point where they got aced in the base where the, it was still triple and hip down. And, like, I think at that point there was still one Nexus Tower left, but they got aced. So, like... Immortals got back into the game a little bit. And then they're doing some like dance around mid lane before dragon spawning. And Palafox is like in enemy jungle looking for a flank. They run at him, pick him off, take the dragon. And then they just stalled another five minutes. So I do think part of it is FBI getting caught, you know, a few times. But the other part is just Palafox. Like you got to recognize that the game is just like, we just got to not die and we're going to win the game. And that guy was finding ways to die. I'm I'm calling two people to the stand. I'm calling Palafox as one of them, but actually for different reasons. So I'm not even saying I just disagree with what you you said. But one of the things that stood out to me was the one play. Um, treats his Nautilus, just throws out a hook, and it lands on FBI. And it was like kind of a random hook. Like I was like, wow, this is just one of those Nautilus hooks that you're like, I don't know how this landed, but it did. And when that happens, I expect the Gragas to immediately alt the enemy team away. So that they can't just hop on FBI. Like, yes, you have to use your cooldown uh, to disengage rather than to pick someone off as Gragas, but that's fine. At least FBI can live. And he just held it forever. And that was where, like, he got chunked down to one HP. And then, like, two minutes, or not even two minutes, like, two seconds after that, Tactical made a nice play and picked off FBI to get that last one or 2% of his health bar. But to me, Palafox has the opportunity to disengage that fight from FBI even going down to one or 2% in the first place. So that was the first thing. The second guy that I'm calling to the stand is FBI. Some team fights, he's just stacking on top of people in a small corridor. You're just asking to get Wamboed with Nautilus ulti and hook and all that stuff. And he died. That was around like Raptor slash Red Buff. And then the last thing, I, I, I guess I'm calling the whole team to the stand here on, on this last one, is the, the Baron at 38 minutes. They just flipped the damn thing. You have a Jax, who by the way is not easy to answer late game when you have three inhibitors open. Like, just let the Jax pressure, 
if they send more than two people to the Jacks, then you could take Baron in. I'm sure you can zone them off a lot easier. They just decide to flip the damn thing. It felt that like one of those. No sense to me. That's the biggest problem with their throw. They had a lot of things, but that was the biggest one to me where they're just like, let's just flip this fucking thing and a, and a burger flip. It felt like one of those moments where you just, you know, you're continuously losing all of these fights when you are so far ahead and you start to feel like you're losing the game and you like, you feel like you need to do something because you're losing control yeah. of the game. And, I think at that point, like, and especially with that call in particular, that was kind of where NRG was like reaching a critical mass in terms of like, oh, guys, guys, if we just keep stalling this game, I'm like, we're going to lose. Like, we got to do Baron or something. Like, we got to try to end this game or else we're going to lose. Yeah, it did kind of feel like that. So, excuse me, that was the absolute nightmare throw. Nothing really more on that. And then they had a game against 100 Thieves. That's when they kind of looked pissed off. The game against 100 Thieves, they were like, nah, we're done with this. We're winning this one. And they looked a lot better there. Contracts was kind of popping off. I think FBI had a pretty decent game, too. Yeah, Honestly, that I think was... most of them had a decent game in that one, if I remember right. Yeah, that was kind of just a team gap. Yeah. I mean, 100 Thieves fell behind on early game-centric comp, and it was... I mean, it wasn't even an early... Like, it was an early game-centric comp in the sense that you picked Annie, Lee Sin, and Renekton, but you also have Zeri Yumi, so kind of had, like, some good early game with some late-game insurance, but... Their early game was non-existent, so energy just ended up winning the game. Like it, it yeah. just felt like energy like ended up winning the like they didn't do anything to win the game. They they just ended up winning the game. There was no like no no team in that game was doing anything proactive. So they went one and two on the week, which to me is like not like I think I power ranked them four. It was four or five. Like in you the had top them five. Half sure. You had them five. I had them six. Okay, so I anyways I knew I had them in the top half, and like I expect a little better than what we saw this weekend. Uh, and I they think we'll should I have, have been two and one, but I still have faith that they can they can look better, but just not the greatest start. Uh, Dignitas, dude, this team's awful. They had a terrible two and a half games. Their last game against EG was it? The uh, game that they won yeah. was against EG, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That game they were even trolling even in the early game in that one. They were terrible, like up until halfway through that game suddenly Santorin was a beast on the Sejuani and he found the amount of times in that game where they were able to get to Unforgiven before he was e like he was never able to flash like he kept getting like flashed on and would be c chain cc'd until he's dead and like well Lucian's dying with flash up again there's some times where he probably could have flashed out but most of them I actually was just like wow Dignitas can team fight all of a sudden Diamond was on the I think it was Rakan and he was Insta flash charm onto onto Lucian, knock up, and he's dead. It was just like, wow. Like, I don't know what changed in that game, but for how bad of the weekend it was, I mean they, they just really turned it they really turned it around. No, but it wasn't just outscaling, it was execution on on team fights. Like when you're locking down the enemy AD carry and he can't move, like he's perma chain CC'd until dead, you're doing something right. That's more than just scaling, right? Yeah, I do also think Unforgiven made a similar mistake uh, that Prince did and just is not taking cleanse. Like, dude, you have no cleanse against Sejuani Rakan? Like, no shot. So does Lucian need Ghost? He's like, playing Aphelios, by the way. I thought he... What was the game that he was on Lucian? He played Ghost on Lucian as well, I think. I don't know what you're referencing, but he was playing Aphelios that game mm, maybe i thought maybe it was a different game or maybe i just thought it was a lucian game um i could see ghost on aphelios being better but i still agree with you that cleanse is more optimal whenever sejuani is in the game the adc needs to take cleanse like yeah unless you have you know 
QSS for support or, or yeah, <laughs> so, so, something <laughs> like that. You, like unless you have a game where the 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 support is buying for Sight of Mikhail's or something like that. Yeah, you better have like Janna. Like you yeah, better have some exactly good, good exactly heal or something. Yeah, okay, I agree. But uh, I mean, but yeah, most of the weekend was trash. I'll I'll let you go off on this. I I think this team is by far and away the worst team. I think if I if I had to repower rank, D Dig is like thirteen. Like I think there is a I think there's a gap between Dignitas, TSM, and Immortals. That's how bad I think Dignitas is. I think the way that hmm. I think that the way that Santorin plays the early game is awful. Like he is just permanently hovering around mid lane, doing nothing. He does one camp, go mid lane. One camp, go mid lane. One camp, go mid lane. I I I went back and just watched every single early game. He is doing nothing apart from just hovering around mid lane. It's awful. What's funny to me is that last split, that was like the only thing that Dig fans could hold on to is like, hey, you know what? Their jungle mid doesn't look that bad. But I would say they're probably looking the worst yep, than... 100%. They're looking worse than anybody else on their team. Like yep. last last split, it was like, oh, their first nine gains, they had... Uh, what was his name? The bot laner? Uh, oh, spawn, spawn. Spawn, yeah. And they're like, spawn was terrible. And honestly, their bot lane was freaking terrible. But then they replaced them and was like, okay, now they have something to work with. No, they're the issue now, which is weird because Santorin and Jensen are not supposed to be the issue. These are longtime veterans and not just veterans, like good veterans, like some of the best players in our league. And I mean, well, they weren't. The I mean, the confusing part for me is more Santorin and not Jensen, just because Santorin is, I feel like over the last few years, you know, his time on FlyQuest and Team Liquid, he has been sort of, in my opinion, like he's been the efficiency guy. Like he's no, he knows when he needs to be power farming. He knows when to be ganking, especially during his time on Team Liquid, whether it was just like, you know, good team communication or good instincts by him. It felt like every single time he was ganking during his time on Team Liquid, he, he was getting a kill, especially in the mid lane. Yeah. Whereas now, like, Dude is just permanently hovering around mid lane and also going for like horrible ganks. Dude, what was the game? The game against it was the it was the EG game. That game where Santorin goes for this like he goes for the gank where he tries to he knows that the lane bush is warded so he goes around. However, he knows that Armeo is on the bot side of the map and it's three thirty crab is spawning runs into Armeo's face. He's over the wall. Armeo just flashes. They kill him in return. You know I. I Dignitas should have lost that game against EG, hundred percent. That that was just, I mean, I don't know. This yeah, team they is... fell behind in the early game, and they deserve to fall behind in the early game. So the the one issue that I'm having, so you said that you think they're hands down the worst team. The issue yeah. that I'm having with that is, I was impressed with their team fighting, even if it was just that one game. That's enough of a little crumb for me to be like, maybe they're bad, but maybe they're not a whole tier below the other bad of yeah, TSM it, and Immortal. It's just, such. for me, I can't take two team fights and then look at the early games that they've had, like the three early games, and just say like, and like the, the bad is outweighing the good by like a huge percentage. Yeah, and I think that's, that's fair. And, I, and, I, and I, it's funny because the new guys on the team are the best performing players. Rich and yeah, Tomo Rich were actually was, like playing well. Rich was playing Rich. well, so was Tomo. <laughs> Rich was great. Uh, okay, there was some little, th there was a few moments where I wondered if there was communication issues. Like in the first game, the Scion roams out of his lane and just ulties towards mid. Maybe Rich said something to Jensen, but Jensen didn't hear it or didn't understand him. I don't know. Again, could be language barrier. I'm not sure. But like usually when a Scion leaves his lane, the top laner is able to relay that and the mid laner backs off. But no, Jensen just died. So maybe it, yeah. that's just straight up Jensen's fault. Like, I don't know. I'm not in their comms. 
it also happened but, in the in the EG game as well, where like they are engaging a fight four v five in the river, Rich and Diamond, and Jensen is like bot lane pushing out a wave. Yes, that and was the next thing that then, I was going to get. to. And then they don't TP. So when the TP isn't coming in, I'm assuming that you know either Jensen isn't paying attention or the team is not calling for it. And considering that Jensen at that point had already pushed the wave in and was starting to move, I'm going to say that the team is at fault there for not calling for the TP. Oh, wow. and, and so that was one that I wanted to talk about. That was the one where Jensen was on Casio, right? Yeah, yeah. Back up, fight, yeah. So that was one of them. The other one was Tomo was on the other side of Baron slash Harold yeah, yeah. And they're fighting, like, he sends the Jinx that rocket. Was a C9 game. Mile away. Like, dude. So like, they are not on the same page at all. And the thing is, communication oh, wait, issues could not, it might not be like, I feel like everyone's going to point the fingers to Rich because he's, probably not the greatest english but communication issues can be more than just language issues like to me tomo should be able to be like hey guys i can't fight right now and the rest of the team should be like oh yeah let's not let's not fight or or they could see or or ask hey tomo can you fight right now so like i don't i, I don't want to put all of the communication issues on rich alone because we we're not in their comms the pro the the one thing that we know for sure is there does seem to be communication issues even though we can't exactly point the finger yeah and that was that moment was in the Immortals game. I, I said C9, but I meant Immortals. Yeah. Uh, TSM now? TSM, last but not least, because they're not last, because FlyQuest 103, lucky for them. They beat FlyQuest. That was, that, dude, I mentioned before in the FlyQuest section, that was actually a really good game out of TSM, I thought. Like, that was, if you saw that game from a top team, I think everyone would say that that was a good game from said top team. Maybe, maybe I need to see it again. I, I, their, I wasn't... their their team fighting and engaging was like picture perfect with J four Malphite. It was it was picture perfect. Boogie was pleasing me with that J four gameplay. It was so it was I'll, very good. I agree. I I did. I do agree with the 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 J four. I that I am totally with you. The the Malphite and this might just be from the other game where I was telling you Hanser the game one team liquid Hanser yeah. Malphite was atrocious to me yeah that, one, that, that one was pretty bad that that's the one that everyone saw where chime is clearly so they have all the time in the world they see that team liquid is rotating towards river chime is in a brush clearly tl doesn't know he's there because they have four guys stacked right on top of each other and chime is playing rakan he gets the four-man charm knockup and malphite is absolutely in range to flash ulti they had him tp'ing in like, again, they had all the time in the world. There's no way where Hanser shouldn't be able to know, like, this is my time. And he just doesn't flash R. So, like, that to me was like, wow. Because that's what you pick Malphite for. You have one job. And that's when your team says, go, go. <laughs> and he didn't do that. And then there was the other Malphite ulti where, like, there's no world where anyone on his team can follow up. I have... I'm 100% certain no one on the team is calling for a Malphite ulti in that scenario. That was in the bottom river uh, around Dragon Pit. And I'm like, who's going to follow up on that? So, like, Malphite is laning. His laning was also pretty atrocious. Yeah, he got stomped. But, I mean, you're, you're kind of supposed to lose lane, but, like, I don't know if you're supposed to get that stomped. Well, and it, I don't even know how much of a, of a deal this is in terms of how it matters with this lane plays out, but people um, in the Malphite versus Cannon lane, people are. People take summon airy instead of comet because Kennen doesn't get hit by comet because he just presses E when Malphite presses Q. Mm. So I have no idea how that affects the first, you know, three, you know, the first four levels of the lane. But if that would have changed anything, you know, that's a mistake on Hanser's part. So 
maybe we could also give a pass that like summit was player of the week maybe yeah i mean uh, maybe so someone like, was going to smurf regardless but you know he got yeah he got hard if you're going to get hard stomp that's the guy you want to get hard stomp by that's maybe we're coping for him but uh well we'll, we'll cope for him they might need it. it's going to be a long split for tsm and w- with with you know my opinions of c9 and team liquid i believe that those are two of the best teams in the league and before the season came in you know i wasn't expecting them to to look to look at any of those games, which is, I think, why, you know, especially with the FlyQuest game sticks out in my mind in terms of this team, I think, will be better uh, than the majority of people think. You know, we did have them as the last place team. And, you know, I, I think for me, at least, it's safe to say that they are not the last place team. Dig definitely is. Um, I guess another question that I wonder is if, you know, the Insanity versus Ruby, because I actually thought Insanity played pretty well. Obviously, had that big LeBlanc game, which, uh, he was kind of the the late game, the mid to late game damage in that game against FlyQuest, but also thought he had a really good game against Cloud9. Like he did everything that he was, you know, supposed to do to help TSM try to win that game. Yeah. So the question is then, do you keep Insanity in or do you put Ruby? Right. That's the question. So I wonder just when, like, if Ruby's available for next week and TSM, you know, does want you know some continuity for the majority of the season. Like, yeah, maybe you just put Ruby back in because, like, you got five weeks to sort of gel with the team. But if it gets into a situation where we're in, like, week three or four now, and now Ruby becomes available to play, but Insanity has already played, you know, six to nine games in the league, I wouldn't sub him out if he's performing like this. Yeah, that's the thing, is, like, he didn't stand out in a way that, like, oh, he doesn't belong. Like, he belongs. Like, that That I feel pretty comfortable saying. I'm just trying to see if... um. Are you checking yeah, the... Ruby Ruby is active, by the way, for the okay. record. So maybe maybe he'll be playing next week. Who knows? Maybe he plays next week. The the thing is, I feel like if you're putting Ruby in, you better be damn well that you're gonna get more than you're you are out of insanity. Exactly. That's kind of how I feel about it because I'm guessing here, speculating. I'm speculating that they've probably been scrimming with insanity for a while. And you said it, like you said, it is a short split. It is only six weeks. And so maybe it's not even worth trying to switch at this point. Ruby did not have that great of a split in in Europe. He was one of the worst mid laners. I, I don't see any reason to like... Well, and considering that we already know TSM is not going to be invested in the LCS, you know, long term, I think everybody's assuming that they're not going to be here next year. Like, just play... Put the best five players on the rift. Like, you're not, build, you're not building towards anything. It's not like Ruby is going to be here for a long period of time. Like, if, yeah. the, guy, if the guy's better, he should stay. Or yeah, or un, or unless, like you said, they truly believe that Ruby is going to be better than put him in. If you yeah, think you that better way. have a damn good reason to put him in. I, I, for me, that's the way I look at it. I would roll with insanity, but we always say this, but it, it must be said they have way more information than we do, right? Maybe they've scrimmed a million times with Ruby, and maybe he's popping off. I don't know. Mm. Uh, okay, we wanted to have a short little meta talk. Uh, I know, I think you have probably more to say on this than I do, so I'll kind of let you have the floor here. Yeah, I mean, we, I kind of got into it a little bit already. We'll, we'll, we'll start with Zara Yumi because I talked about it a little bit. But that 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 combo is disgusting. I'm very glad that both those champions are getting big nerfs in patch 13.12, which I believe the LCS is playing on next week. So I do think that we're going to see a lot less of those champions. I don't think that um, Yumi is going to be like a, a, a first round ban phase champion. I, I think, I don't know the number of bans that sort of got in the first phase but it felt like a decent you know in a decent percentage of the games yumi was getting banned it was very often if one team banned you know lucian or one team banned milio or yumi the other team would respond there was only like one instance 
where some team did something like super idiotic and like banned Yumi with their last ban on red side and the enemy team just picked Milio first pick and they just got steamrolled because if you're giving up Milio for free, you better be getting Zeri Yumi in return. And that wasn't the case, but I'm thinking that we're going to see less of Zeri Yumi based on those nerfs. Um, so yeah. I, I agree. The, the thing for me is like, I'm just so freaking tired of the Zeri Yumi. I know that's how other people feel as well. And so that's why, like I said earlier, like, I'm done with saying Zeri is dead until she's dead because it just feels like she's continued to somehow be a meta pick for the, again, last year, like since she's been a champion. So I guess my question to you, JNT, is do you think this is finally she's dead or no? I don't think Zeri is going to be dead because, I mean, you can still play Zeri Lulu. I just think that the reason why Zeri Yumi is so problematic, I did mention one instance where it's like it proves my point exactly was the first kills of the game in the NRG versus 100 Thieves game they're getting 3v2'd the entire time. They don't have a tower. They have a Kha'Zix melee range on top of Zeri Yumi. And they somehow killed the enemy's AD carry when they were just getting dogpiled on. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. It took them like 10 seconds to kill Ye Zeri because of the resistances and the healing and shielding that Yumi gives. It, it's just... Uh, to me, if, if I really had to say, I think Yumi is the more problematic thing than the Zeri. Because I still think that Zeri can be playable should there be you know a build that works you know i know the nerfs were directly towards the the trinity force build to where her i don't know if it's both her passive and her q don't apply sheen or if it's just the q but you know getting big nerfs to the sheen type builds and uh yumi's getting nerfs to i think her like r damage and some of her healing and shielding so i think it will be better but i still think you can pick zeri lulu but the reason why it becomes so problematic is because Zeri becomes impossible to kill with the Yumi. And that's the problem for me. No, that is exactly it. So you, we've had this Yumi problem for way longer than we've had the Zeri problem. But now you're combining the two and it's two champions people are so done with. That's why I think we're at a point where everyone is incredibly frustrated with this. And so like, this has got to end. We've had times where people are upset with metas before. This feels different because these are both champions that are absolutely hated for what they do. There's two things that I, that I hate about Zeri. The, the, well, I mean, everyone hates Yumi. The, the one of the reasons why I hate Zeri, the first one is she ulties. And then like the other team almost has to stop team fighting unless they can immediately kill Zeri. Everyone suddenly has to scatter. That to me is not like a good back and forth team fight. That's not a healthy team fight to me. As soon as Zeri ulties, you've got the other team going, Oh shit, we got to disengage or we just all get wiped. That sucks. Yeah. The other thing is, and I guess this is sort of related. It ruins pentakills. <laughs> I like pentakills. But and yeah, a Zeri like... penta is not a penta. Like, like, what is a Zeri penta kill? Like, it, like a triple kill equivalent? Like, in terms I of like the it's... feeling that you get, you mean? Yeah, like, I feel like it's so unhealthy for a game where someone gets a penta kill and we all go grumble, 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 Zeri penta kill. <laughs> You know what I mean? I know, like, yeah, that's exactly. Not, that's not what League of Legends is supposed it's to be. It's just like, oh, another Zeri Penta. No big deal. Let me ask you this, JNT. How because I wanna quantify, qualify. No, I wanna qualify this. I wanna qualify this. In your realm of sports, say like basketball or football, where do you rate like how good is a Zeri Pentakill? What is that even, I don't even know. Like, like, it, like, would you rather get a touchdown or a Zeri Pentakill? Would you rather put up 30 points or Zeri Pentakill? Like, there's moment, there's things in sports where fans go, oh, that's awesome. And Pentakill is supposed to be one of them. 
Yeah, and it's, it's very it's that version for not. League of Legends. I mean, yeah, it, it just it kind of just feel I don't know. It, I don't even know it. It it it's like a it's just like a touchdown. I mean, there's di- like there's different variations of a touchdown, like a seventy five yard pass touchdown or seventy five yard run touchdown is like hype as hell, and that's what a pentakill should feel like. But it just feels like oh yeah, it happened. It's supposed to happen. It's like when the Chiefs score a touchdown. That happens. <laughs> happens four but, times a game. Happens four times a game. Seventeen games a year. I'm not surprised. The the reason why I compare to tra- tra- traditional sports here is because there's always moments that are supposed to make you hyped. Pentakill is supposed to be one of them for League of Legends, and it's just gone because this champion exists. That's why I think it's so frustrating, and why I think it needs to go. To to, uh, to quickly go back to your first point about that, talking about like the the infinite ulti, and kind of feels like once Zeri pops ult, you immediately have to dis- disengage the fight. You know, I think Zeri, like the the infinite ulti thing was kind of similar time frame to where like Swain and Olaf got those changes to where if Swain is draining somebody, you know, he's, he continues to get the ult. And if Olaf is still hitting somebody, you know, he gets to continue the ult. But I think that the conditions of Swain and Olaf ults are way more difficult than for Zeri. Because in Zeri's case, the champion gets a shit ton of range because you stack up your lethal tempo, and in some games you maybe even have Milio, so you have that extra range. You then also build Runans and Titanic Hydra, which means that if you even just touch a minion or touch, like, you touch any little thing that is in combat, you then start to hit enemy champions, and that continues to take your ult. So uh, the ult is definitely a problem also. I, I That thing should not be infinite. It, it should just be capped at, like, 20 seconds or something. Maybe even fifteen. I don't. Even, I don't know what the right number would be, but for that ultimate to be an infinite duration, if you're hitting something, it is not the same as champions like Swain or Olaf, where Swain's ult range is not that big. It's like it's his auto attack range basically, and Olaf ult is yeah. melee range. So they they, yeah. they are they are despite the ult all having the same mechanic, they are not the same. Um, anything else on that, or should we talk about Annie? Um, I do want to still stay on the bot lane just okay, quickly because. Big nerfs, you know, as I mentioned to Zeri. Aphelios is also getting nerfed, and Lucian is also getting nerfed. And I just wanted to look at... I, I looked up the stats for the presence of AD carry champions across the first week of the LCS. And when I say these numbers, these aren't picks. These, these aren't actual times where the champion is getting picked. This is just a time where the champion appears in draft, meaning it either gets picked or banned. 14 times Aphelios, 11 times Lucian, 9 times Zeri, and then it falls off a cliff with three Zaya, two Jinx, and then three other champions at one. So I do think, you know, I was one of the big offseason predictions that I had with, the, you know, the rework to a lot of the AD carry items that we were going to kind of go away from what we've been seeing, which is a ton of Aphelios, Solution, and Zeri. I do think that hopefully these nerfs will bring it down a little bit more and we will see a lot more diversity in terms of the AD carry pool. Still don't think we're going to see like, I was predicting that we'd see like Lethality, Varus, and Jin, and maybe Ash. I guess I was a bit wrong on that, but. I do think that we are going to see Zaya come back up. We're going to see some Jinx. We're going to see some Draven. We're going to see some Ezreal. Also, a bunch of stuff like that. You and one of our listeners, somebody, it was someone in the live chat one time, you guys both promised me Kog'Maw. What happened? I don't, he's, getting, he's getting nerfed also on the patch, so I don't know. where do you, like, He just didn't show up, I guess. I feel like I shouldn't be excited to see Kog'Maw. Kog like, longtime League of Legends fans will know that there was a long time where it was Lulu Cog, Lulu Cog in every freaking game. So, like, that can get boring, but, like, we don't see it much anymore. I want to see the Kog'Maw. Bring it back. I want to see something new. Maybe, maybe Kog'Maw gets some pick, get some play. Yeah, hope so. Okay, let's talk about Annie now. Earlier, you said it's a bait pick. 
and I super bait pick but i think for different reasons so when i watch the lck and i know lck versus lcs i know there's a difference sure but like annie is freaking good in the lck what i the, the what i think is happening with the lcs annies is they are baiting themselves to proc uh first strike without any thought as to where anyone is that they keep baiting themselves by like i gotta go proc this thing and like they're just free ganks because of it they use their tibbers on someone and now they've used their best their best ability and they usually don't have a stun anymore and so they're just free kills that happened to who did it happen, it happened to jensen it happened to um uh, vikla like multiple times those two were the, the two main culprits and there might have been one more it's not coming to me. But the point is, I don't even think the, the pick is bait because it's not good. I think it's bait because they are baiting themselves to proc first strike without a worry in the world of where the jungler is, and then they just end up dying. I mean, I think one of the other reasons why, it, maybe it's not, it's not like any exclusive, but I just think that Ari is strictly the better pick in terms of the trade. I don't understand why teams, more often than not, at least in the LCS, they opt for the Annie first. And then the other team responds with Ari. I think that Ari, like I always want the Ari instead of the instead of the Annie, because you cannot kill that champion post level six. You know, it, unless you truly have like the Wombo combo Insta, where Annie stuns, and then whatever jungler you're playing is Insta on top of the champion, and you can kill the Ari before the ult gets off. But once Ari hits six, in almost every instance in the LCS, the Ari doesn't die post level six, and. I just think the way that the LCS teams are playing with Annie is just so bad. They, they don't yeah, do, they, so, there's not enough focus on the mid lane pre level six, and then there's too much focus on mid lane post level six. When I think once you get past level six, that's really when you should be unlocking Annie to go around the rest of the map because you can move so fast to other lanes with the, the, the move speed on the E. That's where I okay. think the strength in the champion lies. You survive lane, and if you can set up kills, set up kills. After that, you are strictly a roamer and a team fighter. Here's my conclusion. LCS, I want the Ari. LCK, I want the Annie. Are you sure? That's where I fall on. I, I want Ari anyway. Like I still I said it last week. That champion is disgustingly broken. It needs nerfs. This, you should be first picking this champ. I honestly, the other thing too with Annie, the last thing I'll say on the Annie thing is I don't think it's fun to see someone just spam Tibbers whenever it's on off cooldown. Like Annie is supposed to be an all in engaged champion and you're not coming out unless you killed them all. I that, like, I actually think Annie should be a really fun pick to watch, but it's just like, oh, my ult is up. I'm going to hit it now. That's not fun. Get rid of first strike. There's my hot take. I never even thought about like the first strike thing of how they're like, going for procs and then they're getting too close they just spam it they dude tibbers is off cooldown oh time to tibbers them i'll have that's to not, i'll have to pay more attention should be played i'll have to pay more attention next week and and see those yeah. it's been happening for a little while too it's i like i should be excited to watch annie play because it's a risky pick and it's just it's not what it's supposed to be um i know you said you wanted to talk about trundle a little bit what are your thoughts on trundle oh i mean it was just i just think that champ sucks like I remember, I remember, I remember <laughs> I saw the, because I wasn't able to watch the games live this past week. So when I saw that somebody picked Trundle, I was like, oh my God, no shit that they lose that game. And, you know, Trundle wasn't necessarily the cause of loss in that game, but it kind of just shows that unless you, unless you snowball the game with Trundle in the meta right now, it, the pick is just permanently useless because you need, junglers need to be able to farm efficiency right now. And a lot of the best junglers in the game right now are ones that can farm efficiency, except for, you know, your 
There's some kind of exceptions to that with like Jarvan and Sejuani and whatnot, because those things are just like gank monsters and can easily set up kills for laners. But you're seeing very often the junglers who clear a lot slower, they are falling behind in CS a lot. You know, there was many games this weekend where it felt like there were some jungle CS differences at like 15 minutes of like 40, especially in C9 games, especially in the Team Liquid games. Um, and even in the 100 Thieves games, uh, I know closer that 100 Thieves is a bit of an exception because they didn't, they weren't really doing anything, you know, in terms of productivity in the early game. So closer was only farming, but still the point still stands where junglers need to be able to efficiently farm and Toronto does not do that whatsoever. Gotcha. Any other picks that you wanted to talk about? Not picks necessarily, but I, but I got a couple other things that I thought were kind of interesting while watching a lot of the games. One, Go for it which we saw right from the jump of the first game of the split is Raptor invades level one. That seems like a very common thing nowadays. I think people recognize that per invading the Raptors as opposed to invading red buff one can be a lot easier because if the enemy jungler is starting the red buff, if you go Raptors first, it is so much easier and quicker to kill the Raptors. So then you can kind of do like the double invade where you kill Raptors. Now you have level two and then you run into their red buff and hopefully kill them because they're forced to smite their buff and whatnot. So, and I think we're kind of, we're seeing a bit, a bit of a development of that. I forget what game it was. Was it a Team Liquid game where there was literally a five versus, oh, we know it was in, was it in the LEC game that we watched where it was like 5v5 fist fight at Raptors? I think it that? was L the LEC game. But I mean, that, that was just Those like heretics a Heretics in... SK, right? SK, yeah. But I mean, that was like a prime example of like, people are really adapting to this Raptor invade level one because there's literally 5v5s over it now. Because, I mean, in it's the LCS, it was happening a, while. a lot. Yeah, it's been happening for a while, but I think you're right in saying that it's happening more now. And I, I wonder, like, maybe LCS coaches or players will have more nuance to it. To me, it just simply feels like, hey, we're stronger and we win level one. Let's do it. Yeah, it's, that, it's just that, the more efficient version of invading red buff because you kill the camp quicker. And if, you know, the other team doesn't recognize that and is starting red buff, you then just have the advantage in the ensuing fight because you're going to be plus one level. And I think you don't need to get every chicken to get level two, right? You can no, miss you one don't. and still hit level two. You can yeah. miss a bunch of them and still get two. Oh, well, like, I think I think it. I think you only need one. You need the big one, and I think you only need one small one to hit two. Maybe it's two small ones, but I don't think they'll change that either. Because even if they're oh, like, oh, so. we'll make it less XP, then it'll just go right back to the invading red buff meta, like you said. Like it's okay. Well, now, but I mean, at the same time, it's it's equally as punishable because we have seen in a couple cases where teams go for this raptor invade and it fails horribly, and then your yeah, jungler's like, oh they, fuck, like sometimes they miscalculate and they think, yeah, we're gonna win this, and they just don't. That does happen. Last thing um, that's not necessarily champion related, but the TP changes where TP is unlocked at ten minutes now, it's supposed to fourteen. Feels like teams are getting a little bit baited to like, use your TP earlier in the game because I think it was like on four separate occasions in various games in the LCS this week, a top laner would TP to bot lane and they would return to lane suddenly down like over a thousand gold because <laughs> of the tower platings and, and the minion waves that the enemy is able to push out. So was that the Golden Guardians fly quest game where there, there was Liquid that was one giving a million plates? Was it that one? There was that one. It also happened in a 100 Thieves game, I think. And it happened in a... F I don't remember the exact games, but I remember on like four... In four of the games, it was a, it, there was a case where enemy top laner TP'd away. It was in Dig versus C9. It happened in that game as well. Sm smidge of like a... Oh, no, he died actually. Wait, did he die or did he TP away? 
I think he TP'd away, but it was the play where instead of having, that was where they had Kindred drop the Rift Herald and solo take the top tower. And he took like almost five plates top. I think it was, I think it was that game as well. Hmm. But yeah. I, unless the play is like a guaranteed success where you're going to get like more than just one or two kills. I don't think you should be TPing away from top lane in like an even lane state. It just feels losing. I Unless you're like getting something change, major though. for it. I like the change, I, too. I, th- I think it just allows for for better early games. It allows I, for more things to happen, right? I, you know, I, I still like the mechanic that you can't TP. You can only TP to do towers for the first 10 minutes. I still like that mechanic a lot, and I think there's a little bit more wiggle room now with the, the restriction getting dropped by four minutes, so... Yeah, I think so. I didn't like the change when they first made it to 14 minutes. And I think that was because we saw so many plays happen level three. But I think it kind of it put way too much of an emphasis on just winning the first three minutes of your lane. And then you win the game. Like that's how 100 Thieves did it. We talked about a million times on this podcast. That's how they used to do it. And so like now it's like, oh, we can actually pick a weaker bot lane. And we saw more different picks uh, played because of that. So I do like the, it doesn't need to be 14 minutes, but it does still need to exist where you can't just TP at anywhere at any time. And so I do think that uh, it's a good change. I lied actually, because I have one more champion to talk about. Go for it. Uh, it was Gragas because he's getting oh. some, he's getting a big nerf to his passive, which I think is going to kill lane Gragas. Oh, I that sucks. Because I was going to say, my last thing was that I like the Gragas. I was going to say that it, it exposes a really bad Gragas and the really good Gragas to stand out. Like, even though this is a pick we've seen a million times, I was going to say, like, I like that Gragas as meta because I think it there's a high skill cap to the champion. I guess I shouldn't say that I think it kills lane Gragas, but I think it do, it just doesn't make the champion like an insta pick if, you know, when possible because of the flex options. You know, they're getting it's an additional four seconds to his passive. So the healing is basically a cut by 50%. Uh, over the duration of a lane. So I think that is really going to impact it because part of the strength of Gragas, especially in this week one that we saw, is like he can out just sustain almost yeah. every single mid laner in the game. It just does not matter. The enemy mid will be like zero mana and Gragas will be like third mana with half his HP just chugging away and getting an extra, you know, 70 HP on eight second cooldown whenever there's just like a lull in the lane state. And then if the enemy mid laner doesn't have TP, like your tempo is just screwed. It's funny because I was just saying how much I like seeing the Gragas, but at the same time, I think that's a really good change because Gragas I didn't even is... know that he was getting nerfed. I was like, man, Gragas is so annoying. Like they need to nerf this passive. And then I looked at the patch notes. I was like, oh, this passive is getting nerfed. However, I didn't know he was getting nerfed until like two minutes ago until you mentioned it. So yeah, that's I, and it's only that's the only he's actually getting like a, a bit of a compensation buff for that as well. Like his Q is getting like reduced mana or something like that. But okay. I think it's a big nerf is passive going up by four seconds. Like that is a lot. Four seconds. Yeah. On an 8-second cooldown? It's going from 8 to 12. Like, it's a lot. Last thing I want to ask you, not so much a meta-based question, but I've seen a couple of uh, people talking about possibly adding more bans. Do you think there should be more bans added to pro play? Uh, No, I just think that they... I don't know. It feels like League is moving a little bit into the Dota red of things where everything is strong. So I think if... The philosophy, if Riot takes that same philosophy where everything is strong, so like nothing is strong, then I think more bans are needed. But if they can just tone down a lot of these, you know, exceptions when it comes to like premier picks, like off the top of my head, there's Aphelios, he's getting nerfed. There's Zeri, he's getting nerfed. Yumi, getting nerfed. Milio, getting nerfed. 
Ari needs to get nerfed. Jesus Christ, please nerf that champion. I beg of you. Cassante, eh, he'll he'll probably get nerfed again, but I like Cassante. I don't really have a big problem with him. And then you got like a couple of junglers in there, but I, I don't think it's that big of a problem. It would feel awkward to for there to be more bans right now. I don't know. I actually want to see more bans because I think it will lead to more picks. I just think that they need to, I mean, in, in the dream world, the whole everywhere around the world is best of three and they use the the fearless draft mode or whatever, where you can only pick a champion once. That would, or, be, or, that would be fun to watch. Or once too. you ban a champion, it's banned for the whole series, something like that. I think that that issue. is the world that we need. We don't yeah, need more we bans, have, we need that mode. We we have this issue where there's like 160 or 170 champions now, and yet, and still we see all the same ones all the time. So I am for whatever makes that change. Whatever makes us see more different crap, I am down. Because I'm tired of the same old crap. That's that's my take on it. Uh, let's talk about the viewership. We have to. Yep, it's stinkies. Elephant in the room. How many times do you think we've talked about viewership on this podcast? I mean, all the time. Because when we started it, that's when the viewership started going down. Yeah, maybe it's our fault. <laughs> oh shit! Unlucky. Tinfoil hat. <laughs> CFP ruined LCS. Sorry, everyone. Look, the reason why we talk about it so much is because it's always when like the viewership numbers are so egregious that we can't ignore it. I know there's some people that are like, oh, here's the viewership talk again. Dude, it's bad. Do do we know what the numbers were from do you have like the spring numbers or even last summer or anything like that? Uh no, I I don't. But I think it was something like I mean I I, I also just to to cope a little bit, you know, one the the season didn't start when it was supposed to. It's on a different day than it's been scheduled to. And, oh, 100%. There, know, there's good reasons for why this is happening. But there's also bad... The, the good reasons are also bad reasons. Like weekends just being turned to weekdays. And I know we've had this discussion before. But, like, you can only have people hold on to your product so long, for so long. Where they finally just say, look, I can't watch League wednesday thursday friday in the afternoon i can't do it like there's there's probably so many people that were like i know right it's making this game really hard for me to watch but i'm going to do the best i can to try and watch it and eventually you're just like i can't do this anymore yeah that's where i think we're at and then the the other part is like it seemed that people didn't know that the lcs was starting that seemed to be like a very common sentiment when in all of the post-match threads that were on reddit on the wednesday Half of them were like, oh shit, I didn't even know LCS was starting. And it was kind of funny because the majority of them were like EU type viewers because they were saying like, oh, I'm an EU viewer who's trying to get into LCS and I didn't even know the shit was on. And Riot has been openly talking about how this change was to help implement, you know, the, you know, to help, you know, bring in some more viewers specifically from EU. And these guys don't even know the league is starting. Like, so what are you even doing here? Yeah. One of the objectives that you set out is, is already failing. And there's no going back because Valorant is on the weekends now in the same studio. Yeah. So now what? And I know people are going to say you guys are just coping like the LCS sucked and that's why no one's watching. That is also part of the problem. We can acknowledge that it is not a good league and we can acknowledge there's still all the same issues that we've been talking about forever that haven't been fixed, such as players coming over and then just leaving again. Like there's not a lot of longstanding players and the ones that are longstanding like Jensen or Santorin <laughs> are looking terrible. So like there are reasons that are like either the player's fault or the S LCS's fault. Um, but there's also reasons that are Riot's fault, and that's what kind of sucks. It's like you have reasons that 
can be fixed and then some reasons that are just out of our hands and it's like the combination of the two is what why we have what was 68,000 average viewers that's going to drop this was week 1 right now i don't think it's going to drop i think it'll increase i think it's going to drop you think no. i no i don't think so why because you think like oh people know what lcs is on now yeah. so they're going to watch uh -huh. I think people are going to stop watching more because I think there's probably a lot of people that are like, oh, opening week, I'm excited to see. And then, I don't know, they probably just lose interest again because as the time goes on, I think you're still asking people to watch at times that are just terrible to watch. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree that the times are horrible because they are horrible. But I mean, I do think, you know, week, week one is always a bit of an exception in terms of viewership when it comes to the LCS. Like, for whatever reason, week, week one, one viewership is always bad. Hyped? It should be the one that's hyped, though. Yeah. But, I mean, like in, in terms of LCS, it's not a secret that the majority is, you know, very often teams do not have their roster. Like, 100 Thieves, like, probably, like, if you're a non-100 Thieves fan and was like, oh, like, I'm not even going to bother watching them because, like, they don't even have their roster. Yeah. And maybe people are like, oh, shit, Team Liquid's back. Like, I'm going to start watching LCS. Maybe some TL fans will come crawling back. Or maybe now people want to start hate-watching FlyQuest or something like that because they're 0-3, but... I, I expect the viewership to pick up. Not a ton. I hope you're right. But I will... I don't know. I can guarantee that the average viewership for the LCS for Week 2 will be higher than Week 1. You think so? You can guarantee that? Yep. It's a Charles Barkley guarantee. What is that? Like, I know who Charles Barkley is, but what does that mean? Is that, like, a not it's a like, real guarantee? Yeah. It's like a bit of a meme. I love Charles Barkley. That funny, guy's hilarious. Okay, uh, we don't need to talk anymore about the viewership. We've acknowledged that it's really down. We don't need to go further into this. Unless you have more to say. Do you have? Well, I don't have. No, not much else. It's bad. We acknowledge it's bad, and we're sad, and nothing's going to change. Okay, let's move on. You got Last our... thing before we close out the show is week two game predictions. Mm -hmm. As you can see, we both are sitting on eight and seven record. Um, normally our week one LCS predictions look like this, but we had an uncharacteristically good week one of spring last split where we got a lot of games, right? But this is more indicative of, you know, we don't necessarily know where all the teams are at power level wise, but I think week one sort of gives us a bit of an idea now. So hopefully we'll get some more right this week. It does change your perspective a lot. Okay. Let's get into them. Let's speed run. Uh, first game, Wednesday, Dig versus Golden Guardians. I don't even know why I even bothered reading out Dignitas' name. Golden Guardians. Golden Guardians. Team Liquid versus Energy. Team Liquid. Team Liquid. FlyQuest versus C9. C9. Cloud9. TSM versus Immortals. I'm going Immortals. I'm going Immortals too. Wait, you said that... Oh, never mind. That was Dig that you said was the worst team. Yeah. Never mind. Scrap that. Okay. Uh, 100 Thieves versus EG. Um, as of right now, I don't think 100 Thieves has made an official announcement, but it, I know LCS EV tweeted it out, and there's been a couple other people saying that, you know, a couple other those like league source accounts saying that Quid will be playing week two. Oh, God, I don't know who to take on this. I'm going to go 100 Thieves. Yeah, I think I am too. I wish you didn't answer first. It just seems like I'm copying you. Uh, first game Thursday, NRG versus TSM. NRG. I want to take TSM for some reason. Go for it. I'm going to do it. Beast. Okay, and then we got Golden Guardians. Well, wait, actually, wait. Why TSM, though? I, I feel know. like if you take an upset, you got to give me something. Give me just a little crumb. Insanity um, fan? 
This is a good point. Why am I taking TSM? Um, <laughs> uh, Boogie he's an insanity fan, and he's gonna pop off. I mean, I am an insanity fan, but uh, I actually, I mean, I think Boogie played pretty well for the most part, and I don't think that contracts played very well. But I mean, it's week one again. But I had to pick okay, something. I... Boogie, his J four gameplay made me made me hot and hot and bothered. Okay, good. So I got energy. You got TSM. Then it's Golden Guardians Immortals. I am going Golden Guardians. I want to take Immortals, but I'm going to pick Golden Guardians. Okay. I, I want to do it. Do it. No, no, no. Be I mean, my maybe. guest. Be my guest. Maybe, maybe I'll like cringe and like come the middle of the week. I'll, I'll switch my TSM prediction to energy and then switch my Golden Guardians prediction to Immortals. Actually, I'm oh, going to do also, that. I, I, I want to do that. I'm, I'm picking energy instead of TSM and I'm picking Immortals over Golden Guardians. Okay, and because you're taking Immortals, I will allow you to also change your over-under of six and a half wins for Immortals. Do you want to change that or no? Um, I don't know. You took the under. Oh, I don't know, though. Like, but then they're going to be Golden Guardians. I'm all confused now. Let me need to move on. Okay, 100 Thieves and Cloud9. Uh, Cloud9. Yep, Cloud9. Dignitas and Team Liquid. Team, Team Liquid. Liquid. EG and FlyQuest. Fly Still quest. backing FlyQuest, so I gotta keep the faith in them despite the O3. Every once in a while, though, there's a team that like we expect is gonna be good and they just suck. Maybe FlyQuest is that like, like because they could Maybe. easily start O4. They're playing Cloud9. Yeah. If they're O4, it's a lot easier to believe that they go O5. Yeah, Anyways, we're still going FlyQuest. Mm -hmm. uh, first game on Friday, TSM Golden Guardians. I'm going Golden Guardians. I'm going Golden Guardians. <laughs> Bro. You are TSA, like you. I don't know, dude. Dude, insanity's <laughs> okay. got me like all different, I guess now. Okay, uh, Immortals and Hundred Thieves. Hundred Thieves. Hundred Thieves. Team Liquid, EG. Team Liquid. TL. Okay, we both got TL. FlyQuest, Dignitas. At the FlyQuest is I mean, getting a win, no matter what. Here, like if they on, lose right? to Dignitas, it's officially Jover. That is when we give up on FlyQuest. If they're 06, it, we give up. Because because okay. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. I think if they're one in five, like I'm still not even I'm not giving up. Like, but if if they go oh six, lose to Dignitas, even even if they win some of these other games, but still lose to Dignitas, that is a very bad sign. So if they lose to Dignitas, they're just officially the worst yep. team in the league. It's it's over if they lose to Dig. It's a it's okay. so over. Okay, but what if they beat EG or C nine? No, they lose to Dig. It's over. I don't care. Okay, all right. Well, good. We've established I, that. I think that. They can easily go 0 18. Like, dude, they suck. I so okay. <laughs> this is getting into the weeds here. Um, is Dignitas worse this split than Immortals was last split? Yes. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think Dignitas is better than Immortals of last split. I also I, think Dignitas is better than Dignitas of last. I split. hope. Do I think that? Okay. I do think that. I hope that Jensen is permanently crying for Santorin to be hovering around, around mid lane. And that's the reason why that's happening. And it's not because that they think that what they're doing is good relative to the game state. I, I pray to God that Jensen is like asking for his jungler to be sitting on his nutsack as opposed to like them just that that's their game plan. And that's what they're doing. Okay. So for Digitas' sake, I hope that Jensen's like being a greedy bitch. Okay. And cloud nine NRG. Oh, I might take NRG here. I'm picking Cloud9. I know you're taking Cloud9. What am I going to do here? Cloud9 was pretty for fun. The thing is, if NRG looked good this past week, I could go for the upset. But, like, come on, you know? 
I can't do it because like they were not. They threw a 10k lead, man. <laughs> Cloud nine. Alrighty. <clears throat> uh, guys, we're breaking a long time streak here. Unless you can go to the subreddit right now, J and T. I'm looking right now. I for as, quick news. Um, let's see. Let's see. I don't know what our streak is, but it's probably like a hundred episodes straight of having something for quick news, and we just don't. Looking the subreddit in the last hour, there is nothing. There's like, there's no way nothing interesting. Like we're we're gonna realize later that we missed something. No, I we didn't miss anything. There's no quick news. There is none. Unbelievable. Doesn't exist this week. Well, that ends the streak at we'll say approximately a hundred episodes in a row of quick news, and we have none. But we will be back next week at the regular time hopefully and if not i mean i'll tweet out i always tweet out or you can join our discord i we always post in the discord as well when we're going live uh remember if you haven't subscribed do that if you haven't left a comment do that we've said a lot of crap this episode feel free to disagree with us and hit the like button it helps us a lot and uh we'll see you guys next time this has been episode 129 of the conscious podcast